What's up? My name is Josh, and thanks for checking out the GT Young Adults Podcast. We're a community from GT Church in Victoria, BC. We love Jesus, and we have a passion to learn, grow, and live like Him and have a ton of fun doing it. All the messages and conversations you'll find here will point you to His truth and His hope. So lean in to whatever God wants to speak to you today. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Let go of all that, like, 
I'm too cool, you know, that all stuff. Like, throw it aside, because we're here just to come closer to Jesus, to do it together. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you in that. Something switched last week. It was powerful. It was prophetic. I think it was, it was honestly considered of the future of this service. And I can begin to see the pews being full of people your age in this community. So with that being said, final week of grace. And I have the question of what is grace? Why is grace kind of, you know, but like where, where is grace? I feel like I'm Groot. Isn't that like happening? What? You know what I'm saying? No, it doesn't matter. I won't get into it. It's fine. I just feel like we, we struggle to kind of extend and share and express the grace of God. Like if you call yourself a Christian, if you would say, I am marked by Jesus and I follow him in his way, then there should be just an outpouring, an overflow of the grace of God, of forgiveness and life and love in our life. Like, it should be obvious, almost, in the way that we extend grace. It should be a radical love. It should be a radical type of service and, and love. and experience. Like, people should be like, why are you being so nice? Like, that's really what God calls us to. I want to be full of grace so that I can bless people, that I can be someone who is um, constantly thinking on how I can give it, even when I don't even think it feels right. That's what type of people I want to be. That's the type of culture I want us to be. That's the type of culture we want to create in this city. We want to create a culture of grace and love and mercy in a, in a context, in a culture that loves to kind of like cancel one another. That's full of outrage. That's continually saying like, how can we tear down? How can we like, you know what I mean? And I just think in this, in this moment, in this time when cancel culture and outrage culture and accountability culture, I mean, and I'm putting it like that because calling someone out who we have no relationship with is not biblical accountability. I think we're missing something when it comes to grace, the grace of God. I feel like the, and I mean this with all my heart, I was thinking about you guys, I was praying over you guys when I was prepping for the sermon. I feel like in the most empathetic generation, there's been a hardening of our heart. Like harden, like there's this hardening of the hearts of this generation. The most, what I believe, what I see is one of the most empathetic generations we've seen in a long time. A generation that cares about social justice. A generation that cares about right and wrong and making sure that it is talked about and that their conversations at the table are, are happening. I feel like this generation, amongst anything else, is saying, no more of this. We want authenticity. We want genuine people leading. We want real conversation. And I feel like because we're so like bent out of shape and we're so filled with rage and frustration that we're beginning to just call it out and say like this and cancel one another and our hearts are becoming hardening, hardened rather than more empathetic and more full of grace. And it honestly, like, it dawns on me even. Like, I feel like even I lately have been a little bit more like, oh, they're an idiot, or they should do that, or that's a bad decision, and I'm just so quick to poke and, and point out and, and make fun of, or whatever it is, and I, I need to, like, stop and remember the words of Jesus, and, and we're going to get into it tonight, because if we understand grace, if we've experienced grace, it's funny how angry we get. And I'm not saying we shouldn't, there are things that are going to cause us to be angry. Like being mad and frustrated and angry, that's okay. I don't want you to feel like you can't get angry. I don't want you to feel like when we see something take place, and of all the things, we could pick so many things that have happened last year to be, to be frustrated with. I remember, I remember when a friend sent me the, the video of George Floyd. And the only thing that rose up in me was anger. I feel so frustrated even recently, like an, another burial site has been found in Williams Lake on a residential school. 
gift. I feel like it was glossed over. And so I'm not saying there aren't things to be frustrated. Those are just, and those are just things that like we see happening, let alone what's happening in our own life. Like a friend just betrays you or, or a boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you. Like these are real things, heavy things that, man, it's okay to feel angry. I get angry at traffic. I'm serious. No, half of you are the problem. You never driven in snow. No, a lot of it's you. You grew up on the island. You've never seen snow. You get like three inches and it's like 40 on the highway. I'm like, no, your car was made for this. Stop it. And I get so angry. And that's just traffic, you know? It's, it's funny, but it's true. I get really angry at sad movies. I, I know it's, that's kind of weird. That's on me. I'll take that. That's, that's on me. I don't like sad movies. They make me sad and then I get angry. Have you seen P.S. I Love You? I hate that movie. It's so like, spoiler alert, he's dead. And then he sends his, his wife on a goose chase of finding love in her life. It's the worst. Like Trina's like, isn't this beautiful? I'm like, I'm so angry. He's dead, this stupid movie, stupid. I'm gonna eat some chips. Like I get angry. I get so angry at, at Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons is the worst. I do. I had this experience the other day where I was like, I was literally, me and Georgia was hungry. She wanted a bagel. She loves bagels. We get a bagel for her. And I opened it up, and it looked like it had been chewed by a dog. Like, it was, I'm serious, guys. It was, and it was like cream cheese was on, like, a half of a half. And at first, I was like, Georgia, I'm sorry. Are you okay with this? And she's like, yeah, it's fine, Dad. And she's trying to, like, spread it with her finger. And clearly, this cream cheese is, like, frozen. And she's like, I don't think it's good, Dad. I think it's gone bad. I'm like, yeah, it has. Let's go. So let's go, like, verbally assault a 14-year-old working at Demo. I don't know. And so I walk over, and I'm like, and I just went, you know, when people, like, I never cut in the line. I will, I'll wait to like show them how bad their Tim Hortons is. And so instead I was like, no, I'm going straight ahead. I'm going to set the tone. I'm like, they need to know about this. And I'm like, excuse me, can I get this remade, please? I'm like, what's wrong with it? Are you kidding? It's schmangled. It's screwed up and it's mangled, schmangled. Like it's, this looks awful. Can you just make this, please? And then I found out, for those who work at Tim Hortons, I didn't know this. Maybe you need to know this. Here's a little factoid for you. Apparently, to get cream cheese on both sides of the bagel, you have to ask for extra cream cheese. Did you know this? Did you know this? Mind-boggling. I was like, really? So if I ask for a sandwich, will the whole thing have meat or just half of it? And she was like, that's a good point. I'm like, yeah, give, can I get some cream cheese? Like, I was so frustrated. And as I was preparing again for this sermon, I was like writing down all these really insignificant, do not matter, things that I get so mad at. These things don't matter. There are real things in life, like I've already mentioned, that, that should fuel a righteous frustration in us. But we are so ready to just pounce on the 15-year-old working at Tim Hortons. We're so ready to get mad because this gas station didn't have gas when there was gas shortage. Like we're so ready just to jump on one another that our hearts are being hardened. And God's calling us to be full of grace so that we can show a gener like a culture that needs grace, amen? We have a difficult time extending it sometimes, but Jesus wants to show us something here. And so I, I wanna go to Matthew five, it's page 786 in this blue Bible, it's in front of you. If you have your own, that's great. Bring your Bibles, take notes. Uh, we're gonna jump a little bit ahead. I prepped this sermon kind of before we had plans for the next kind of different pieces. And so we're jumping into the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' like greatest sermon, his, some of his most powerful words. It's, 
his manifesto, some have called it, like the inner essence of who Jesus is is coming out in this page. And a lot of us like to think like this is just some rules to follow. No, no, no. Jesus is con- like completely changing the landscape here. And I'll, I'll break that down for you in a moment. So let's read this together. Matthew 5, verse 38. It's on the screens. Let's enjoy it together. It says this. You have heard it that it was said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Verse 39, underline this in your Bible. But I tell you, I tell you, this happens a lot in this sermon and it happens a lot with Jesus. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Verse 43, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, there's a lot here. I'm gonna be honest, I don't have plans to actually go through it all, but I want to read both of those sections because I think it gives the full context. I actually wanna preach a little less time tonight and I want us to practice something together tonight. That's the hope, that's my goal. Most of us have heard this before. If you've grown up in church at all, you've heard the idea, love your enemy, even if you haven't, you've probably heard this idea. But think about what he's actually saying here. Just consider those three words. Love your enemy. Love your enemy. Love your neighbor. And he says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Friends, this is a different idea of what we're seeing right now. Right now, it's like you have any different opinion than me, then we're just not in the same tribe. We're not in the same circle. We don't hang out together. I don't, I don't respond to them. I block you on Instagram. Like this isn't, no thank you. I heard one author say it like this, life, life comes down to fight or flight. Or does it, he goes on to say. I believe, he says, Jesus actually gives us a third option, a third idea, a higher way to live. If all we do, friends, listen, if we haven't begin to, if we haven't experienced grace, and that's, that's the first step, but if we have, and if we're gonna call ourselves Christians, we're gonna say that we're gonna follow Jesus, then there needs to be a change in the way we respond to things that we don't like change in, the, in a response in the way that when, when things come up and they kind of cause friction and frustration in our heart. You see, we, I think, choose fight or flight in, in all these different moments because our emotions often guide us. Our emotions become this thing that guide us, which, by the way, it's a terrible, terrible guide. Our emotions are not a great guide. We all have, like, these, uh, one, one author wrote, counterfeit feeling about anything at any point in any day. <laughs> like, honestly, I could have an opinion of something in the morning and by the end, I've totally changed my opinion. Like, our emotions, let, let me, let me please, please let me finish this and, and hear what I'm trying to say because I don't want anyone to feel invalidated tonight. They should be heard. Our emotions should be are, are validated and then worked through in, in Christian counsel with community, with loved ones, with friends. Not paused on. Not then like, ah, oh, this is how I'm feeling right now. In this moment, I'm gonna act on that in this moment. Hold on, your, your emotions are, are, are are a better gauge than they are a guide. You know what I mean? Like they help you kind of gauge what's going on. They're, they're bringing up things in the past. Maybe they're triggering something that's happened. Your emotions are a gauge of how you're feeling, but not necessarily a guide on exactly what to do next. 
And I think it's important that we, that we say that. I think your feelings need to be validated. I think everyone here needs to be heard. But I would encourage you to pause maybe the next time you're ready to pounce on something that just happens right away. When we choose grace, okay, follow me here. When we choose grace, extending it to others, I think three things happen. I think we begin to see dignity restored, authority reordered, and unity redeemed. Please write these down if you're taking notes tonight. Put it in your phone. When we choose to extend grace, we're seeing restore, like dignity becomes restored. Like authority becomes reordered. The, 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 the playing field becomes even. And when we choose grace over anything else, that's when unity actually becomes redeemed in our relationships, in our world around us. I want to break it down what I mean when, you, when we really talk about first chunk of scripture there. It says this, you have heard what, it, excuse me, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you. And then he goes on with this list, right? He shows this, this, this cheek slap. So you can picture what's happening here. Like, like often he's referring to probably slave owners and things where they would slap their subordinates. Maybe, maybe at this time he's talking about men who are doing it to wives or children. Like you can picture like this backhand slap that would happen. And so Jesus is literally saying, like turn the other cheek, meaning when you're hit in the face across one side, you're now down, you're now frustrated, you're now getting angry, fight and flight are beginning to take place in your heart. Should I run away in disgrace to myself or whatever? Should I stick back and fight and become violent? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's neither. There's a third option here. He's saying, actually turn, posture yourself, look face to face. And actually most commentators would say he's being sarcastic here and show them the other side. What's happening? You are taking a step in restoring your dignity. You're looking eye to eye to the person who has just hit you. You're actually reordering authority to say, listen, I don't know what you think is happening here, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tolerate, I'm not gonna run from you. you. You don't get to power over me. And he's actually hoping that by turning the other cheek, you'll cause such like, not animosity, but such a, what? Like you ever had that moment where you're just like, what are you doing moment in the other person that unity can maybe begin to take place? Are you following me? Then he goes on. He gives you another situation. Take your shirt. I didn't know this. I was reading about this this week, actually. Like, the, there was many inner garments for, for people, but the outer garment was, like, a big deal. It's like a family thing. Like, it was knit together. It's usually, like, represented many things. It would, it's, like, it's like your guys' onions, okay? It's like that thing. Like, everyone's got one, right? Like, it's a big deal. You have, no one has an onion. It's like 19 of you wearing an onion tonight. Don't give me that. It's like, you know, and so it's like that outer garment you wear all the time. It fits perfect. It, it's got, it's everything that you are. You, sometimes you use it when you're, you know, sleeping at Tofino because that's so fun. <laughs> but that's what they do. They would actually use it as a blanket at night. It kept them warm. Like that was this outer garment. To give that away would be a ridiculous gesture. So someone comes up and say, hey, can I have your shirt? They're like, yeah, sure. You also want this beautiful, like, wonderful coat, outer coat that also protects me at night and gives me, it's like this, this lavish gesture. It's this extension of grace. It would, be, it would be very odd to carry someone else's outer garment. It'd be like, whoa, what? No, no, I was just kidding. I'm just playing, bro. Like, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. No, no, here, take both. It's this extension of grace, of love, of transformative power. It's, you wanna take my shirt? Fine. My shirt doesn't define me. My shirt doesn't define who I am and how I'm seen. You can have both. You're, again, taking your own dignity and taking it to heart. You're reordering authority. You're creating unity, saying, listen, I don't know what you came for. Maybe you just wanted to pick on me. Maybe you just wanted to make fun of me. 
but now I want to show you who's actually in control of the situation. Here's Bo. It's this beautiful, like, nonviolent, grace-filled posture. Again, he talks about this idea of, of go a mile. Maybe you heard of the Roman mile. It's this idea where at any point, a Roman could ask a Jew, like, hey, pick that up. I got some work to do. I need to take it over here. And it was actually legal for Romans to come to, to Jewish citizens and ask them to carry something and walk a mile. That's what would happen. They were under such pressure, under, under such foreign rule, that they could literally come over and be like, yo, you, Luke, I need you to pick that up. Follow me. We're going to go an entire mile. And so what Jesus is saying here is like, go to. Show them, you want to show them who's boss. You want to really, like, be, don't be violent. Don't get mad. Don't start a fight. Don't call them out. Don't yell names. Pick all that stuff and say, oh, you go, I got a boss. No problem. Where else do you need to go? You got something else to do? Again, he's using sarcasm. He's trying to be funny. He's being facetious. He's saying there is a third option. You don't have to get violent. You don't have to be mean. Grace, again, we said this. Grace is the fuel. It's not just forgiveness that leads us forward. There is a third option. It's this higher way to live. And then finally, if anyone force, anyone who asks you, do not turn them away. If, if anyone needs to borrow money from you, money is like a prized possession for them. Like affluence was a, it was a big deal. Like even just having it was kind of just like knowing that you had it, making sure you felt comfortable. It's no different than us today. We're so scared. I don't want to lend money. I had a bad experience, this, that. And he's saying, give as if you may not ever see it again. Give to the one who asks you. Don't turn them away. And I know maybe you're seeing this and you're thinking like, yeah, that's great, pastor. You have no idea what I've been through. Love my enemies, that's fine. This seems nice. I get the situations you're breaking down. That makes sense. But me, no. You know my boss? No chance. I'm not giving that guy anything. It's crazy. I'm not, I'm not talking to her ever again. And we begin to put our situation as a little bit different. Our situation, and we begin to actually, you know what? This person deserves it. Friends, we will never get where we want to go if we continue to choose guilt over grace. Like, it's just not going to work. We have to choose grace, not guilt, when we're communicating and having conversations, especially with people we don't like. It's not going to work, guys. If we keep guilting that person about what they did or didn't do. They didn't wear a mask tonight. They did. Oh, they can't really. Yeah, like we're under a public health order right now. We really love and appreciate that. And that's respectful. And thank you for that. But when we choose to just guilt one another over wearing it or not in whatever circumstance, it's like, what are we, what are we doing right now? Really? I just wonder if we're actually like, I don't know if we're getting very far as a community, as a, as a culture, if we continue to guilt each other. And I get it. I don't know your situation. I do not know what you've been through. I don't know what I'm asking of you when I ask you to love your enemy. I really don't, but Jesus does. The whole point of the cross, the whole point of the temptation that he would truly and honestly feel and understand every temptation, every hurt, every bit of pain you may have ever felt, that you would never be alone in any situation, that he always can and will identify himself with you. And again, I think we just assume our situation is the worst. We assume that what's happened in our life is, 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 is unmatched. The one writer wrote this as I was reading this week. He says, picture this. You're a 23-year-old in, in Jewish culture back then. You're in a culture of Roman rule. 70 years, they've ruled your society. Taxes are 80, 90%. There's no food. There's no land. Your parents, your grandparents, all are losing meaning and heritage. Generations are breaking one by one. 
For your whole life, you've understood that even amongst war, God had continued to save you and your people. And now you're a 20-year-old Hebrew wondering how in the world am I ever supposed to hear what Jesus is saying and love my enemy. I want you to hear those words for a moment. I know you might be going through something. Jesus was very aware of the culture at this time. He's not pretending that it's all roses and rainbows, okay? I'm just gonna help make it happen. But when it comes to conflict, I'm asking you and I'm, I'm imploring myself as God has been continuing to convict me in this, to let grace be my guide. I wanna share a story with you guys. And I don't know if I've told many people this story, but uh, about a few years back, me and Trina, we were blessed and we, her dad built us a house. And um, so we've had this beautiful house for a long time. It's like this thing that is so close to our heart and we just wanna steward it so well. We're so grateful for this moment and for being in this place. And of course, in the moment, we had a lot of things. We, we had people renting rooms from us. Some of you have rented rooms from us and we, we rented our basement suite. Uh, that was like a mandatory thing. I don't, it was like, we had to rent out our basement suite. It's the only way we could get a mortgage. I tell you that because we had a renter for a little while. And, and the long short of it is, uh, I remember being actually, I was here at church. We had just kicked off. This was a few years, like, like I said, a few years back. It was like homecoming Sunday. And Trina calls me can completely beside herself. And I don't know what's going on. I can't quite understand. And she's, she's trying to get my attention. I'm, she's trying to understand what's happening. And she had basically just been served notice and we had been sued. We were being sued by our former tenant. And as someone who doesn't have a ton of money, who tries to steward this one thing that really holds a lot of our financial equity, uh, I was going, what? I, 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 didn't, I didn't quite fully grasp what she was saying. She was like, I just need you to come home. And truth be told, that's, that's exactly what happened. We, we got sued. And I never thought in a million years I'd be someone who got sued. I thought maybe I wouldn't be allowed in Tim Hortons again, but I didn't think, I didn't, I didn't assume, I didn't assume, I don't care, I'm not going there anyways, whatever. Mount Royal, anyone? Come on, bagels, let's go. Support local. Okay. And I, I remember, I don't even know how, how to describe the story, honestly. I wrote it in my notes, and I don't even know how, how else to describe it, other than we're still in the process. We've lost thousands and thousands of dollars. I don't know if this, if this person really doesn't like us, we have not been, like, it's just this weird thing, and I can't even describe to you how it feels. Like, you know that feeling that when you get pulled over for a cop for speeding, and you're just like, the pit, and, and for weeks on end, we couldn't get rid of that. Couldn't sleep. Anytime our door, there'd be a knock at the door, we'd think about the person who ser served us. This person showed up at our house multiple times late at night. The experience was so traumatizing, I actually hate hearing our doorbell ring. I really mean that. I hate it. If you're ever coming over, just come on in. Just come in. The door will be open. You're welcome in, okay? You're not welcome tonight. I don't want to see you guys. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm using humor because I, this conversation makes me uncomfortable. And I mean it because it, it was just, I don't know how else to say it, but you just felt so betrayed and you begin to think about all the ways you want to get back at someone or get frustrated or how you're going to sue. I'm going to find the best lawyer in the city. I don't care if we have to sell the house for it. Like, all these things go in your mind. And I remember even the first, no, probably not the first, but the second or third night, Trina's sitting down looking at me and we both thought the exact same thing. We said, we need to pray for this person. We need to lift them up to Jesus. 
not our call to go out swinging. We've been called to love our enemies, worship him with enjoyment. We've been called to do something that's, that transcends the normal human interaction. We've been called to not live out of guilt or frustration or fear, but out of a spirit of love, of power, and self-control. That's what the Bible says. And I'm asking you right now in this moment, if we would be a generation that chooses to extend grace and restore dignity in our culture, not continue to choose guilt and cancel and post this and post that and swear at them and swear at that and get back and get back and they need to deserve and they deserve. Friends, we deserved death. Hell, if you want to get real theological, but Jesus said, no way. That's what the cross is there. You can't be a Christian and believe in grace and also be an avid person who wants to cancel culture. It doesn't make sense. Where does grace land in that equation? And so I'm, I'm, I'm imploring you to hear my heart tonight that situations will arise in life that you'll feel like you have nothing to give, nothing but like anger, Jesus is saying, hey, when it comes to conflict, are you going to trust me? Or are you going to let your emotions guide you? I mean this, and I hope you hear this. This is kind of my big idea. If you hear nothing else, hear this. If we let grace dictate our decisions, I think we may see dignity restored in our culture. Dignity, honor, face-to-face interaction that says you and me we're the same we have all this together like we're in this together we have to let grace dictate our decisions and i know it's hard i know it's difficult i know what it, i know what it actually feels like to, to to feel like someone really hates you so much that they want to take away things from you and it's not easy but god gives us a step so here's how I want to end tonight. Like I said, it's gonna be not not some long thing. I just I think maybe because I'm even processing so much of what God is saying here, and it's difficult, truly difficult, to really live the way that God calls us to live. I'm not suggesting this is easy. I can't tell you how many nights I've just been. I was just so filled with anxiety thinking about the, the situation, or I was gonna have to go or the, the day before a lawyer appointment, whatever it is, and I'm just filled with anxiety and I begin to tear up and I walk around my house and I begin to pray and I think of this person and I'm first filled with frustration and then I'm reminded of the grace of God. We're called to pray. So can I ask you something tonight? I'm just asking. I'm not saying you have to. But I would encourage you to take out your phone right now. I think we all have one of those. Go ahead, take it out. And consider who it may be that you need to pray for that you feel like has persecuted you. Now, persecution, that's a big word. I don't want to try and pretend like this beautiful, wonderful life and living in Victoria that maybe we, we're facing the same problems many other countries and nations are facing, other people would be facing. But maybe you've had a situation like mine. Maybe it's a boss you truly feel like is like not just riding your tail, if you will, but like for some reason continues to just pick on you right I don't even know maybe it's a next friend like I said a co-worker a, pro- a professor maybe it's even a parent guys 
Life should not be split into enemies and friends, whole, hurting, left, politically, right, politically, Christian, atheist, masked, unmasked, vaxxed or not. Like, I don't think, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. Let's just split into tribes and let's never talk. He's asking us, he's calling us as a Christian that there is a higher way to live, that there is something else to do. And I'm not saying this process is easy and that's why I wanna practice it tonight. Would you write down a name, a person, a situation, maybe something that you're like, I need to pray for this person who persecutes me. Not send them a nasty email, not judge them from behind, not gossip about them, send them more hate mail. I need to pray for them. Because I think what God, Jesus is saying here, excuse me, I think what Jesus is trying to get at is one, your prayers don't just change your situation, your prayers change your heart. And it starts here. I'm not saying I don't get angry, I'm not saying I don't get frustrated. You've heard of silly things that I'm embarrassed about. But God is calling us to live in a different way. And we aren't gonna change culture if we just hold on to this grace and sit on our high horse of church and say we never talked about it, but to actually go, to live it out, to extend grace in ways that's so lavish, that is so powerful, that dignity is restored, that honor and respect is just, is, is again, restored in our culture, with our friends, with our families, with loved ones who you agree and or disagree with. That's what he's calling us to. And that, my friends, too, is the power of the grace of God. It's not gonna happen any other way. It's not gonna happen just seeing a counselor once in a while. It's not gonna happen watching a video by, I don't know, some, some documentary. It's gonna happen by the grace of Jesus. It's gonna happen by the spiritual power that comes only by the person of Jesus. And so that's why we lean into him here at this place. That's why at church we believe that oh, this is really just so much is a sin issue and we need Christ to be in our hearts so that he's continue shown to every other person. So I'm done given you my thought. I've, I've read to you scripture, but now my heart is that we would respond. So would you stand to your feet across this room? Can I pray with you and over your situation? Team's gonna maybe play a song here, but if you want, like, while they're playing, if you just need to be texting someone, like, hey, can we meet up? Maybe you need to even start that, like, a conversation of forgiveness. Who knows? Maybe you're beginning to write down, like I said, a name or a person of someone you like, I'm gonna pray for them this week. If you wanna be on your phone, setting a reminder, 8 a.m., this week, I'm gonna pray for this person every day, despite not liking it, despite being frustrated, despite being it difficult, despite even some mornings, I'm gonna wake up mad at this person, I will pray for them, because it's not just about them, it's about me, it's about them, it's about God and the relationship with all of us. Would you pray with me? Close your eyes or keep thinking about who you need to pray for. God, I pray in this room that we would be different. God, we would be different than, than how the culture wants us to be. God, we would not go past this moment without truly thinking of the person or the persons or the place, whatever it is that we need to pray for. Would we be first a generation that runs to prayer, that runs to empathy, that runs to listening and hearing and conversation? Would we be a generation with this crowd in this whole room, no matter how young or how old, that we would be people who want to restore relationships, not just destroy relationships? Would we be people who want to bring families and friends together again? Would we see dignity restored? Would we see authority, God? I just pray against anyone who feels like just small amongst their person who may be persecuting them. I pray in Jesus' name, you give them the courage to pray this week. You give them a boldness to pray this week. God, I ask that you would, again, you would 
restore unity where the unity has not been for years? Would this be a generation that's hearts aren't hardened, but would you soften us even now for those who we don't like, for those who we don't always get along with, that we would see grace unfolding amongst many conversations, our coworkers, our teachers, our, our friends, whatever it may be, God. We would see grace unfold, grace coming out of us. This week, God, I pray for a moment where every person here sees themselves choosing grace and not guilt in Jesus' mighty name. That we would choose, again, restoration and redemption. That we would fight for relationships that we feel are too far gone because we serve a God, like it was already said, that's not done yet. You're not done working. You're not done speaking. You're not done loving every person here. You're not done moving in our houses, in our families, in our communities, in our relationships, in our friendships. So we love you, Lord. We submit to you. Let grace be the thing that guides us this week. Let us love our enemies as hard as that sounds, Jesus. We look to you because we need all the help that you have. It's in Jesus' name. Let's sing together.